Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. The research and thoughts that you put into how you structure the practice week, getting back to your time in Green Bay, given the trend of, of slow starts, is that something that you take a look at, uh, seeing whether or not you tweak how you structure the practice week, or is that something that's off the table? God. Someone that liked the question, huh? Or... <laughs> that, I just want that, that wasn't me. So. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, um, I forgot the question. I got the question. Um, how about them Cowboys? Indeed. Well, your two and six Dallas Cowboys are set to host the seven and zero Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday at Jerry World. The Cowboys open as thirteen and a half point dogs at home. This is only the second time that the Cowboys have been double digit dogs at home in their history. The other time came in the nineteen. 89 season against the San Francisco 49ers, and we know how that season ended up. So welcome in to About Them Cowboys, courtesy of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kent Garrison, producing, joined by my cohorts, as always, the Athletics' father, John Mashoda, Cowboys beat writer, and 97-1 the Eagles, Kevin K.T. Turner. But we're welcoming back into the show, friend of the show. If you listen to the show, you last heard him join us uh, at the Combine, but he's been on before. Great friend of ours, great friend of mine from back in the DallasCowboys.com days. You can still listen to him, see him, read him on DallasCowboys.com. He is David Tiny Jim Hellman. And Dave, I've got a question for you. Shoot. Do you think the uh, Cowboys could steal a win this weekend? Uh, Uh, I see what you did there, and it's uh, very depressing. It's super sad. Um, No. (laughs) No, I don't think that they can, but uh, we can get into the hows and the how, the whys and the why nots. I don't care. It's good to see you guys. It's great to see you, man. Great to see you, man. And KT, man, lot to get to. Just when you thought, you know, we could sit down, maybe just talk about a two and six team facing a seven and zero team. There's so much off the field stuff that like we might not even get to the on the field stuff till the very very end of this. But like, yeah, let's let's uh, let's set the stage here. Well, like uh, you know, last week was uh, was supposed to be Nucci's revenge. I don't know how you get revenge on your first start, but like everyone is, was excited about the Nucci, am I right? No, just me. Well, now we've got uh, hashtag Rush Hour. Is that what we're gonna do, Cooper Rush or uh, Garrett Gilbert? There's not even a cool hashtag for Garrett what's, Gilbert. What's eating Garrett Gilbert? Maybe. Yeah, what's eating Garrett Gilbert? Starring. Not Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> uh, this is bad. Is this bad? I feel like I just shot a, a tranquilizer dart in my neck. Is this bad? It's uh, it's quite bad, KT. It's oh, no. it's it's where it's where we are. Uh, it's actually it's very fitting. It just the hits keep coming, man. I mean, what like what else do we need to see? Can we get Tony Romo to come out of the booth for like one more start with this offensive line? <laughs> That doesn't seem like a great idea. I don't know. 
Is there one former player that that could just instantly fix this right now in the prime of their career? In the that's prime? not a quarterback. In the no, prime, no, it can be there. anybody. One player though, it can be anybody. You can just get you get one though. Yeah, Roger. Man, that's a great question. The answer is probably no. I think. I mean, like I would, I would never put Tony behind this line. That sounds like a, a oh no, thank you. He spent enough time doing that. Yeah, you're, it's probably Roger. You're probably right, KT. But go on. It, well, yeah, and yeah, and that's just A, because he's Roger, but B, like out of respect for Tony's future. Like, that's like what I'm saying. Him. Like, I just don't want, I just don't want the guy to get paralyzed or otherwise hurt. I don't know. Okay, this is a sound like, I swear to God, this is not a disrespectful question. I mean this. What is their plan? Was it just like Cooper Rush is available? He knows the offense. We clearly can't run someone out there again who doesn't know the offense yet. Was that the play there? Or, well, hey, we saw some things we liked out of Cooper Rush, but we liked Andy Dalton more. Like, what is their plan? I honestly, I'm, I made this comparison um, earlier today with a friend of mine who was asking me what's going on with the Cowboys. And, like, it reminds me of the scene in Jurassic Park where they offer up the goat to the T-Rex you know, they're like, oh, we got to get the T-Rex to come out of hiding. Like, let's offer him up this goat that he can eat. Like, this feels like a sacrificial goat where the coaching, like, first of all, you can't tell me Cooper Rush knows the offense better than Ben DiNucci because Cooper Rush was only here for a week under the new coaching staff. And Ben DiNucci has been here for six months. He's also only, he's thrown three NFL snaps in the regular season. So like the experience edge, it's there. It's definitely there because he's played five preseasons or three preseasons, whatever. It's not extreme, though. And so I really think – I think the coaching staff took a hard look at it and they were like, Ben DiNucci won't survive this game physically and mentally because it, it might break him if he has to try to go up against this defense. We don't want to do that to him. So we're going to just get a guy who can get us through this week and we don't really care if it goes poorly. Like that's what I think is happening. That's a huge part of it, but I'll also factor in the wide receivers. You know, as bad as things have gone, they still have a great wide receiver trio that with Ben DiNucci, you're just not getting the ball down the field. How many times did we see in that game his successful throws are the ones that just in the flat to Michael Gallup? And after all that's on tape, the Steelers know that's what's coming. You're going to have to throw the ball down the field at least a little bit. And so... I don't know that Cooper Rush and Garrett Gilbert are going to do much better, but they do. They are a little bit more experienced. They've played in more preseason games. They're going to be able to at least give those receivers a little bit more of a chance to make some plays there. And then the other part of it is just there were there were plays there that even Ben admitted after the game that you know he he waited too long and 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 was hoping that something developed. Whereas a lot of times the best play is just to throw it away you know, and just get rid of the ball, live to play for another down. And I think you'd see that more out of Cooper Rush. That, that's who I, I, that's the, who I think the favorite is to, to play the most yeah. uh, on Sunday is, is Rush because of his experience with Michael Gallup, his experience with Amari Cooper. I mean, this guy was the Cowboys backup the previous three years. It just, you know, Dak Prescott was Iron Man, And so you just never got to see him. Um, but I do, I, I, I just think with these wide receivers, there's just not much of a chance. Like it's almost not even worth having three dynamic wide receivers if your quarterback isn't going to be able to even throw it. Ten. There's a couple deep ball shots that Danucci took that just weren't even close. And so yeah. you got to at least give these guys a chance to be able to make some plays. Was it? Wasn't it kind of concerning when he would walk up to the line and go, "Michael, get ready, hot, hot." Like, <laughs> 
Uh, Michael Gallup's like, dude, you got to spread it out. They know it's coming to me. My uh, guy, no, I, look, look somewhere else just once, please. <laughs> just one time. <laughs> I, I feel bad for him being put in that situation. I kind of feel bad that Gar- Gilbert and Cooper Rush are going to be put in this situation. And you know that Amari and, and, and Gallup and C.D. Lamb are going, man, things were so good a month ago. Uh, before everything uh, went to hell in a handbasket. KT, real quick, uh, Dave, how how bad did you feel for CeeDee Lamb today on that conference call when he couldn't remember Cooper Rush's last oh, name? Oh, I know, I know, man. I felt for him, and, I, and that's why I didn't want to tweet it out because I was like, I know how this is going to go. It's just going to be another one of those like Tabasco sauce in the eye type thing. But I felt for him because he hadn't been on this team in previous years. So to your point, KT, that, that's, I just feel for a guy like that because of the fact that how is he supposed to know who these guys are? I mean, while he dealt with a lot of quarterbacks at Oklahoma, they were big name guys like Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. And, you know, he dealt with a lot of quarterbacks at Oklahoma, but they got him the ball. You know, he had a, he had two number one picks, and then even you know Jalen Hurts is a he's a second round draft pick. He's playing in the NFL right now. I I always feel for receivers when they're in a situation like this, but yeah, like. C.D. Lamb has probably hasn't had a game like that where he struggled this hard to get the ball since he was in high school. Do, do you guys expect? I mean, obviously, look, it's a it was tough last week not knowing what you were going to have with Danucci, but they had made some moves to kind of uh, get rid of some guys, basically Don Terry Poe, Daryl Worley, um, and Everson Griffin, who, who they had traded, and there was a little bit of what felt like maybe an, a natural spark. Whether it was about those guys being gone, maybe it's about Sunday night against the Eagles. Whatever it is, there was a little extra spark to that team, and quite frankly, they had the lead at halftime. And if you would have told me that they were going to have the lead at halftime, I would have said, you're crazy, man. Do you expect that? I guess what I'm saying is, how difficult is that going to be to keep up that level of emotion and that, I I don't like using the word effort, but the level of play was better Sunday night. Now a much more difficult team who is undefeated, but you are at home. What do you guys expect out of the locker room, you know, as the game gets going on Sunday? I think this one's going to be bad in in particular because I believe a lot of the things you've said, I, I think so much when we analyze teams that we cover, we focus on just that team and not the opponent. And an important factor with the opponent here is – the Eagles deserve some credit for how well the Cowboys played. One of the key points in being, obviously, Carson Wentz was awful. But two is, they went away from running the football. I don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers doing that. They're going to they're gonna run the football. And as we've seen all season long, everybody can run on this team. It doesn't matter if you have your backups in, your third string guy. It doesn't matter who it is. Anybody will run on them if you just stay committed to the running game. The Eagles did that, did themselves no no favors by sitting there and making Carson Wentz throw all the time. I know they were trying to build up his confidence against a bad defense. Pittsburgh isn't going to do that. They're going to run all over this defense. Yeah, that's I I you said so many good points that I've been making this week. We, like one, I have no choice but to think the Eagles were just like, all right, this is going to be our get right game for Carson. Like Carson's going to bomb away for 400 yards and we're all going to feel a lot better about ourselves which is, first of all, why when anybody can run on this team? And second of all, like, did you see the wind in Philadelphia? Like, we weren't there, but they kept cutting to the flags, just whipping. Like, 
it was not a great night to be throwing the ball, even if you had a good quarterback. So I have no idea what Philadelphia was doing. And KT, I think that is an amazing point that, okay, rookie, rookie quarterback comes in. Like he's been on the team since April. He's been around the guys. Everybody's going to kind of rally to him and like, they want to support him and lift him up. They're going to be excited. You know, guys were saying fun stuff about Danucci, about how he's slinging the ball around the yard. I think, no disrespect to Ben DiNucci, but I think a lot of that was like tongue in cheek, just trying to like build the guy's yeah. confidence up. Um, but now it's a guy that you, you know, I know Cooper Rush has been on this team, but he hasn't been here since May. So like, he's not part of that camaraderie of the locker room. Guys like CD lamb don't even know who he is. Uh, and Oh, by the way, you're going up against maybe the best team in the NFL or certainly one of the three or four best teams in the NFL. I just wonder, especially after it did, you know, they, they tried their damnedest. They had the lead for a while. They could have won that game and they didn't after that falls through. How long can you expect that to last? Like, you know, if Pittsburgh goes down the field and scores a touchdown on the first possession of the game, like, are they just going to give out? And I don't know that they will, but I can't say I'd be surprised if they do. So I think that's something that they really got to guard against this week is is that letdown factor of like, oh man, we still got to do this for eight more weeks. Gun to head, who gives you a better chance to win? Cooper Rush, Garrett Gilbert, or Ben DiNucci? And when I say win, I don't necessarily mean win the game. I mean, be competitive until halftime. I think it's Cooper Rush just because, like I said, we've at least seen him in preseason games and in training camp throw to Michael Gallup, you know, like we've seen him, you know, play with Amari Cooper. So at least there's something there that you can build off of. I mean, believe me, if if there was any better option out there, they would have signed that player instead of Cooper Rush. That's just where the options are at for them, you know, especially for having a guy that has to get thrown in there right away. So I think he gives them their best chance. Frankly, I just don't know enough about Garrett Gilbert and... And part of the reason why is because we're not allowed to see any of the quarterback drills in practice. When when the quarterback when we're outside, the quarterbacks are inside during that first 20, 30 minutes we get to watch a practice. Uh, today we were inside, and so the quarterbacks were outside for, during that first 20 or 30 minutes. So all I got to see of Garrett Gilbert and 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 Ben DiNucci and Cooper Rush is them running in to the facility and then we have to leave. So it, 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 that's why when Ben DiNucci was slinging it sidearm, it was a little bit of surprise that it continued to be that way. But you're like, well, we don't get to see him that much other than what we saw in training camp. So, and then when he was in training camp, it's not like he was getting work with the ones. And so there's a little bit of an element surprised us too. But obviously in that Philadelphia game, you saw when they're running multiple Zeke Wildcats and they're doing double reverses, you knew that they were showing their hands that they didn't have much there. So that'll be a sign to watch early in this game too. You know, whether it be... Whether, bless you, whether it be <laughs> Garrett Gilbert or, or Cooper Rush, it'll be, let's see what kind of game plan they have there. Is it a lot of short, quick throws, a lot of just running to Zeke just to try and, you know, live to play another down? Or are they allowing him to open it up like, hey, we're probably not going to win this game. Let's at least see what we can do here. But if they're running double reverses and Cedric Wilson Wildcats early on, oh, it's going to be really bad. Even I mean, it's going to be bad. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to be really, really, really bad. This started out as a joke. Like I said this as a joke yesterday when I heard that Andy Dalton was going on the COVID list. But I, I firmly believe it now. Like I'm, I'm going to drive this train. I think that they should just play Wildcat the whole game like the Dolphins did with Ronnie Brown that started this whole craze. I think put Tony Pollard at quarterback, 
put Zeke next to him. Zeke ran the read option at Ohio State for three years. He was great at it. Tony Pollard's got some juice. Maybe one of them, maybe you, maybe you design like three or four passes, and then I've just got wide receivers running jet motions on every single play. So it's almost like a, like a triple option where Tony could either keep it, he could give it to Zeke, or he can hand it off to C.D. Lamb every snap. They're not going to win. Like, I'm not saying they are, but it keeps you from getting a quarterback killed, and I think it's probably more viable than expecting Cooper Rush to throw on this defense on five days' notice. Um, Let me throw – Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just, it sounds crazy. And you basically have to acknowledge that you don't have that much of a chance of winning, but we already know that anyway. So why even risk getting a quarterback killed by TJ Watt? Just just run the damn thing. Like, I, I would love to see, I mean, and I know they won't do it exclusively, but like they should run like 75% Wildcat in this game, in my honest opinion. Well, let me throw out this scenario to you guys, and, and I want to get your take on it. One of the things I was looking for in the last game was, let's see what Ben DiNucci has as the possibility for next season, because I don't believe Andy Dalton will still be on the team. So under the idea that Dak Prescott is your starter next year, I don't believe Ben DiNucci is your backup. He showed us that in that game. I think he still needs some time. Uh, I think he's a good number three quarterback to kind of try and bring along over the next couple of years, but... Is there anything that Cooper Rush could do that you possibly would see like, hey, I think that they need to keep him as the backup next year, or are you guys completely like whoever the backup is probably isn't on this roster right now? Yeah, what he could do is get rid of the ball, not sit and take a bunch of sacks, and whether or not they end up being big scoring drives or things like that, but if he can string together multiple drives, they put together three, four, five first downs in a row. If he can prove that they can find a way to competently move the ball, and I'm not even talking about scoring points, but if they can just find a way to show competence in moving the ball, finding a way to get the ball to Cooper, Gallup, and um, and, and CeeDee Lamb at a level that's not laughable. I think that's where you would go, okay. And then, may, then you can decide what you want between him and Garrett Gilbert. Although we talk about Cooper Rush, are you guys saying that you feel like he's the starter? Do you guys I feel do. like that's where we're leaning? I, for sure. I do just because, I mean, he's he's been here. He's worked with Kellen Moore. It certainly doesn't look like the Cowboys have changed their offense that much. So he's got a level of familiarity that I think beats Garrett Gilbert. He's got the relationship with Kellen Moore from being on this team for the last three years. Uh, which, I mean, so I don't want to say that there's no chance that it's Gilbert. Sure. But if, I mean, you said gun to head it, I think it would, I think it's Cooper rush for sure. You know how, how much this coaching staff obviously values relationships and, and comfort when it comes to quarterback, but is Cooper rush the best decision? Like, I know that's what you think they're going to do. Is that what they should do at this point in the season? Like I'm at a point where, and if, if somebody else wants to do it, that that's fine. But like, I'm so exhausted by the idea of like arguing between Garrett Gilbert and Cooper rush. Like, it's like, you know, arguing about what the, like the, the, what analogy am I trying to make? Like there's nothing in the fridge and you're hungry and you're arguing like, should I eat this stale bread or this moldy cheese? Like they're what, like, what are we even doing getting mad about this? So no, I don't know that Cooper rush is better than Garrett Gilbert, but this situation is so dire that, like, what are you even what are you even supposed to do about it? Honestly, 
And I wouldn't be surprised if you if you see both in the game. Uh, I could see yeah. them just yeah. being a situation where like they gets out of hand early, and it's like let's just try and give both these guys some reps and see what we have because um, who knows? Maybe they get in full out tank mode where one of these guys ends up playing a lot for the rest of the season, and they don't even want Andy Dalton to play because they don't think he's even part of their future, and and they don't want him out there because they don't want to risk winning any games because they're trying to <laughs> organically tank as much as they can without actually doing it. I mean, we couldn't get we could get to that level i mean remember here as bad as this sounds they are only halfway through the season so um like i said the only positive i could have out of this is that a guy like cooper rush goes out there and like kt said gets some first downs looks like he's moving the offense all right and 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 maybe does that in some other games too and you're going to the offseason like hey let's keep cooper rush around here and let him be the backup again you know i mean we got dak back we think he's going to be healthy we might not even need this guy but we don't have to spend any money on, on a veteran backup but just keep let's keep rush here keep Danucci as a number three and we move forward. That, that's I think that's your best case scenario. I know a lot of our listeners probably want us to go ahead and have the Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields conversation. We're not doing that tonight. It will happen, <laughs> but we're not doing that Seriously, tonight. like I, I said this a minute ago, like we got, we got eight more of these games to play and eight weeks or nine weeks, if you count the bye, nine weeks of content to produce. So like I know everybody wants to talk about the draft, but like there will there will be time for that in December. <laughs> so much time for that. Uh, were you guys surprised that the Cowboys didn't make any uh, other moves at the trade deadline? No, I, I, if they were going to do anything, I, I think that they would have been sellers. I don't see why they yeah. would have brought on somebody unless it was just this like, you know, you just get this amazing offer that you're just like, okay, yeah. I mean, we can't pass this up. This, you know, Quinn and Williams, something like that, you know, but. No, it didn't. It didn't surprise me. Uh, you know, the, the thing that's interesting is the Alden Smith situation, and and that's because of the fact that the Seahawks were clearly interested. They made an offer. The Cowboys didn't want to do that deal, and you kind of looked at Alden Smith like, well, if they can get a six for Everson Griffin, you'd think that for Alden Smith, they might be able to get maybe a, a five or something, maybe a four. Who knows? And uh, for them not to make that move, I was really like, well, what's left on the roster that has value, and you don't really care if they're part of your future. And I just couldn't find a lot. I mean, Stephen Jones all last week was adamant that, that Michael Gallup was not going to be traded. To me, he was your most valuable trade piece if you were going to trade because you obviously have a lot of talent at wide receiver and he's got a very attractive contract. But uh, no, no, no surprises there. Yeah, I would have. I would love to know what the compensation offer was for Alden Smith because, you know, and I don't know this, but like if, if, if Seattle had offered like a four, I'd, I don't know that I would have done that for a five just because it's not that good of a pick and you need some good players on your defense just to get through the season. But if they had offered me a four, I probably would have done that. But no, I mean, I'm with John. Like I, I think the Cowboys, obviously the Cowboys haven't been as good as people would prefer for a long time, but they're usually competitive. Like it's very rare to be in this situation where at Halloween, you know, the team's not really got a good shot to make the playoffs. Like that's very rare. So I think people, people are almost like overreacting to this by like, just trying to get rid of stuff. Like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta have a fire sale because the team's not going to make the playoffs. Like, no, that's, that's a little bit of an overreaction. And to John's point, there aren't very many tradable players. Like people want to trade Zeke and tank. Like I wonder what those people know about the salary cap because their contracts make that a non-starter. Nobody's taking those guys on, at least not for something 
not a pick that's valuable enough to do it for. So short of trading Michael Gallup, which I think is a terrible idea, I just don't think there were that many options anyway. What would you have had to get, guys, if for, for Michael Gallup, for you to think that it was worth it? A one? I'd need a two. I know that there was so the, the wide receiver market, you know, Will Fuller was the hot name, and I don't know what was being offered there, but like, well, he doesn't get more than what Will Fuller would have gotten, even though it's Gallup a- is more, more durable, but he, he wouldn't have got that, so... I thought I heard that um, Houston wanted a two for him, which yet, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up a two for Will Fuller. So, which I, I, I know it's, it's not realistic that like Gallup would never get a one, but that's what I would want to part ways with him because I know it's bleak right now, but you know, you, if we are to assume that Dak Prescott, Tyron Smith, and Lyle Collins will be healthy next year, Michael Gallup is going to be a big part of their chance to be successful. So, I want to be well compensated for getting rid of him if I don't have to. You know, the only thing that that pushes me in that direction of maybe taking less than I would have gotten is the idea that I'm confident in what I'm drafting at wide receiver and the idea that they got him in the third round, uh, liked him, and wide receivers are not, I'm not going to say easy to replace, but you do have a lot of wide receiver options in the draft. Hell, we're going to see a rookie this week in Chase Claypool, who's starting to put together a huge year. And obviously, Juju had a great year for them. Um, so, like, it is a position that I do think this front office is capable of drafting and, and succeeding at. Uh, the, the problem, I would say, is that, you know, you like the upside and you like the idea of bringing back this offense, as you just said, as much as possible. Um, now, we've got, on the injury front, we're going to have problems at punter. Chris Jones out multiple weeks with a core muscle injury. Guys, what can you tell me about the Dallas Cowboys' new punter? Go ahead and take that, Dave. I can, uh, I can tell you his name and where he went to school. Um, He's the, actually, the Niswander. Uh, Hunter Nis. Actually, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Nis, I think it's Niswander. Niswander. Hunter Niswander. Niswander. Nice sidewinder. Well, I don't know. Whatever. Um, actually, when they... When they no, go ahead. Well, I said when they brought him in, did they have to pay him more? Because like, hey man, you're gonna be punting more than maybe if you were getting signed by the, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe if you're getting signed by the the Seahawks. Well, it's it's kind of ironic because uh, you know they signed him last week, and somebody asked John Fossil about it during his media call, and so what I do know is according to them, he can punt, kick, and do kickoffs. And I'm guessing he'll take over as the holder as well, since Chris Jones has been the Cowboys holder for as long as I can remember. Um, But it's funny because Fossil, he told us that, and then he was like, yeah, we just thought it might be smart to bring him in, you know, just just to have him in case something happens. And I was like, my guy, come on. You You cut Kai Forbath the minute you found out about the COVID restrictions. Like, you didn't even give him a chance in training camp. There's no way you're doing this as a precaution. Like that was just a red flag immediately that something was up with Chris Jones, whether they thought he wasn't performing well or he was dealing with an injury one way or the other. I was like, this guy is here because they know they're going to need him. Like he is not here as an insurance policy. I don't buy that at all. And hey, low- you know, one other thing, Dave, you know, he was one of the guys that one of their two guys that was prote- protected on the practice squad this past week. I didn't even notice that, but yeah. even more, even more so. So 
you know, I think, obviously, you know, if Chris Jones is having surgery, typically when a guy has surgery, same thing with Tyron Smith. Tyron, they probably talked to Tyron Smith about getting surgery a month before they actually decided to do it. Football players are always going to try to fight through it. So Chris Jones gave it his best effort and it didn't work. So he's headed for surgery. And I don't, I don't know if he'll be out for the entire year, but it certainly sounds like Hunter Niswander blah, 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 is going to be doing this for a while. How much Tony Pollard do you guys want to see this week? Because it does – I mean, there, there's two there's two lines of thought here is, A, we're doing anything we can to maybe not drop back and throw the ball 50 times with, with this offensive line. But, you know, Pollard cranked off a 14-yard run the other day. Uh, Zeke's longest run was 11 yards, and Pollard looked – it was Pollard's best game of the year by far. Meanwhile, Zeke, to me, and this is my opinion, looks like a guy who has, quite frankly, had too many touches in college and in the pros. Um, I don't know if a snap count answer is what I'm looking for here, but how much are you guys, uh, you know, jonesing to see Tony Pollard be a factor on offense as we move forward here? Because I. I'm certainly having reservations with how much I'm using Zeke moving forward, not only this year, but uh, in the future as well. No, I think you definitely want to see him a little bit more. And he had some flashes in that Philly game. He's had flashes in previous games in, in his couple years here, but he never really has had too many opportunities where you're like, oh, okay, I know this guy will get me 100 yards or even 75 yards in a game. But he had some nice runs against the Eagles. I think you're going to see more of him uh, as, as we move forward in the season. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what he is. I kind of feel like I know uh, what Tony Pollard is. I don't know that there's going to be too much that surprises you. I think he's a really, really good, solid number two. I think if he's your number two, you're in pretty good uh, spot at that position. Um, but I'm just wondering, do we get to full-out tank mode and where they're not even really playing him or Zeke and you're seeing like Rico Dowdle out there? Hey, I already said I think, I think the guy should play quarterback on Sunday. So, yeah, like I – I absolutely hope we see more of him. And that's a great, like, listen, we could do a whole podcast on whether they should have paid Zeke, whether you should pay running backs at all. It certainly looks like something right now. It looks like it's something that they're going to regret in the long run. We can't say that for sure, but it just doesn't look awesome at this moment in time. But I feel, I feel fine about Zeke if Dak and the tackles are healthy, honestly. And I know that's not what you want to hear about a $15 million running back. Like, you want a $15 million running back to be Barry Sanders, but Zeke is not Barry Sanders. Um, but I feel fine about him in the long run. But part of that, and I agree with John, is as this season goes along, I think you got to take a long, hard look at his workload because I'm not trying to overload him in a lost season. Like he doesn't need to have 350 carries in a season where you're not going to make the playoffs. Like, they need to be thinking about how to manage him so that he can be fresh next year when this team has a better shot. When did we start noticing uh, that he may be losing a bit of burst? When did we start notice him maybe, I want to say breaking fewer tackles because he still runs hard, he still plays hard, but maybe getting himself out of some binds like he did the first couple years. When did that begin? Did that begin heard- at the beginning of last year or was that in 2018? I felt like it was it might you might have been able to go back to 2018 but I feel like last year particularly early in the year you didn't see a lot of big runs and as the season went along you I mean that just became more and more questions to him it was like you know you don't have very many of these 15 20 yard plus runs like you know what's going on here what's going on and then you haven't seen him this year either so I would say 
last year is when it really, you know, kind of stood out to me. I just, it's hard for me to say 2018 when he won the rushing title, you know? It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. He won two I, rushing titles in three years. So I would say last year. I'm not, I'm really not trying to hate on Zeke because I think I'm higher on him than most people are. Um, but I remember even in 2018, even when he won the, won the rushing title, there was some criticism of like, man, like where are the, you know, where are the 60 yard runs? Like he had as a rookie, like why hasn't he had a house call from further away than 15 yards? Like, and, and in 2018, I was like, y'all are freaking crazy. Like you are absolutely insane to be criticizing Zeke. And here in 2020, I'm like, well, yeah, it's pretty fair. So it's definitely not, it's not ideal. It is not ideal. Dave, on that call today with him, man, he just, he didn't have many answers for it either. I mean, I, I just kind of had a deja vu feeling today during our conference call with him of just, it seemed like a lot of similar questions he's been asked, being asked over the last two years. And he doesn't really know. I mean, whether it's the long runs, whether it's how long he's he's gone without having a 100-yard game, uh, he didn't seem to have any answers for it either. I, I know the obvious one that people will point to is, well, one, you don't have your franchise quarterback, and two, you don't have your, your two outstanding offensive tackles. That's going to be a factor. You're working with a rookie center. I get all of that, um, but it was interesting that he didn't really – elaborate very much on multiple questions uh, that I thought were questions that we've seen him field several times over the last two years. We're talking about a guy who had over 270 carries his final two years at college. So four year, uh, four years, uh, wait, 16, 17, 18, 19, this is year five for him. So seventh year of a, of a heavy workload. And maybe you know, one year there was the suspension, you know, missed some time or whatever. But that is a lot of time, a lot of carries, a lot of touches. I'm not – I swear because I know this will make people mad. I'm not saying he's done. But we saw that in in week one it was good. Uh, He he appeared to be good. Maybe I'm being hard on him because he's had so many fumbles and so many drops. But I watched him and then I watched Todd Gurley run on a Sunday on the Red Zone channel. And I don't see that much of a difference. And I watch Kamara and I watch Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook, and you see a big difference in the way they move to the naked eye. And that's where I start to ask myself, is the man washed? Washed is a harsh term. Maybe I need to find a better you know, synonym for that or, or, or you know, another word to, or phrase to make it you know, sound a little less harsh. But I just can't help stop thinking... Maybe he's washed. Am I am I out of line here? I, I'm not going to go as far as to say you're out of line, but I like the first two weeks of the season. I remember, and even going back to last year, like he played his way into shape last year. Like there's no nice way to say yeah. it. Like he 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 didn't have a training camp, and you saw him get more explosive and more impressive as the season went along. And I honestly, week one against the Rams, you know they lost the game, and like his stats weren't crazy. But I was like, oh, yeah, like he's hitting the hole. He looks explosive. He looks he looks like the guy that I remember from three, four years ago. And I thought that continued for the first two, three weeks of the season. Ironically, his run against the Browns that he fumbled on, it was a great explosive run. It was like a 20-something yard run. So I don't know that he's washed, but here's the thing. 
he's just not a good enough running back to make it all happen if he doesn't have any help. Like, you know, he's not prime Adrian Peterson when he was running for 2,100 yards with Joe Webb as his quarterback. Uh, he's not, you know, he's not Barry Sanders. And that's what he needs to be to be making $15 million a year, but that's just not what he is. So, like, I, I mean, if Daxon, if Daxon the huddle and the offensive line is healthier, I feel just fine about Zeke. But I don't think he's going to give you much more than what we've seen without a better supporting cast. Yeah, and that's the thing about you – you mentioned about Dak and that. I, I just think we've seen the transformation of, of this offense going from where it, – it's interesting hearing Mike Tomlin talk this week about how – you know, their line one is stopping Zeke, and, and it reminds me like of how many coaches we heard say that throughout 16, 17, 18, even, even last year too. But like we just seen this offense flip from being an offense that, hey, frankly, it was a Zeke run-first offense to now it's a pass-first offense. So Zeke isn't going to be the, the bell cow that, you know, quote-unquote Jason Garrett would always say. And that's fine. And, you, and obviously you saw the numbers they were putting up. They're going to be one of the top offenses in the league when they get Dak Prescott back. But the but the biggest issue is that contract. That's the thing that everybody's going to point to. That it's that would be fine if Zeke's playing the way he is right now if he was on a rookie contract. But when you get the money he's getting right now, you know, forget da- forget Dave talking about Barry Sanders. You know, you need him to be you just need him to be 20, 2016 Zeke. If it, if you get him back to that, I mean, this you'd be great. Now, even with that said, with the current situation they're in right now on the offensive line at quarterback, I don't know how much he'd be doing this season. But you, I, I would be very surprised. Like. I know fans that there stuff I see on Twitter and that about like you know they just yeah. need to part ways, part ways. I I still see him being on the team next year. He's going to be their starter. Uh, you know everything just fits together with him and Dak. I already can just envision how that there's going to be a lot of positive spin going the last season about how much of an outlier 2020 was on so many fronts. You know you already see it being kind of that seed being planted right now. So I don't think he's going anywhere. Which and I, I, let me just say, like I don't, I don't think that he should go anywhere. Like not, not off of this season. And again, like I, I for the tenth time, you pay him that much money, he should be capable of being better in these circumstances. But it is what it is. If they're healthy next year, I think he'll be just fine. And like you look at Zeke and you're like, this contract's not ideal, but we can win with this guy. And so, like, I'm I'm not trying to get rid of Zeke, not not off the strength of this season, because he's I just think he's far down the list of problems that are going on with this team right now. Oh, I know. And he fits into the whole really the whole mantra of this season, the whole, you know, kind of it, it just everybody that's gotten paid hasn't played up to what they were paid sure. on both sides of the ball. And he's part of that. And so I feel like that makes it stand out even more as opposed to if he was just one of the only guys that, you know, maybe wasn't performing up to his contract, you'd be able to kind of look the other way a little bit. But it's just been week after week after week where you're hoping to see more out of the guys that got the new contracts and you're just you're just not seeing that. Totally. Yeah. I think it's uh, uh, what I'm about to ask you guys is just an interesting question because you guys do talk to him, even though it's usually via Zoom. Is your what is your perception on the way McCarthy's been treated by the fan base? Would you say that people have been too hard on him, giving all the, all the injuries? No. Uh, no. Okay. Well, what, 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 what's the what's the fans' perception? Uh, what do you guys think the perception is of Mike Car- Mike McCarthy? And you know, does the team and and by team, I guess I mean the coaching staff has a say in this type of thing. Do they realize that they're not good and not probably not going to win another game? 
Like, do they know that deep down? It sounds like a jerk, jerk question, but I just wonder because at some point, give up's not the word, but I don't know. You just kind of know probably not going to win much. I don't think McCarthy gets fired, but I do think that's a dangerous place to be in if you're a head coach, even though he signed a five-year deal to somehow rally the troops that Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush is going to run out there and then like keep it together. At some point, it feels like that bridge could crumble and the front office could be in a situation of like, dude, you couldn't keep things moving in some type of direction. I get it sucks, but in 2015, they at least tried hard. And the, and the effort last week, to me, gives Mike McCarthy a little bit of a free pass. And I feel way better about this team with him based on their effort the other night. But I think John made a good point earlier about how when you play a team like the Eagles, who suck, you know, that could help keep them in a game or two. And I just wonder how many how many games like we saw with Arizona and Washington, how many of those until Jerry and Steven go, we can't do this anymore? Or is that an infinite, uh, infinite number this year? That won't happen this year. And, and the reason why is because they're going to keep referring back to how rare 2020 was with COVID, not having the preseason, with a new coaching staff, not having a regular training camp, not having OTAs and minicamp. And that's all, that's going to be, you're going to hear that so much. It's going to make you sick this entire offseason. But for people like me, and I know a lot of other people that listen to this show, like people that have followed this team religiously, it's it's going to be real hard for me to erase what I saw early in the season when Dak Prescott was healthy, and that was there were there were some alarming things there. That that that, that wasn't a team. Yeah, that team that that didn't look like a team that was about to go win 10, 11 games with a former you know yeah. Super Bowl winning head coach. That looked like a team that was headed for like eight and eight, and if things went right, maybe nine and seven. And that was with Dak like putting up historic numbers. So um, I. I I'm not on one of these guys that believe that you you part with the coaching staff after one year. That doesn't. That, I'm not. I'm not saying that, especially off of like I said, the off season that they had. But if you put together another one of these next year, man, that following off season doesn't look good. I just wonder, and I mean, I I do agree. Like I I can't really imagine a scenario where Mike McCarthy doesn't survive the year. But that kind of goes back to my point is. You know, you rallied behind Danucci. You like you gave it your best effort. You really tried, and you still lost to the Eagles by two possessions. And now, what happens now? Like, if they go back in the tank and just start getting blow their doors blown off week after week, like if they really don't win another game, and the vast majority of those games are embarrassing, geez, that's a, that's a terrible look. And I don't care. I don't care what the circumstances are. I keep bringing, you know, and. There is some validity to the whole COVID and no training camp and no preseason. But I just like, I look across the NFC at Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. They don't look like this. They're not a good team. You know, they don't, they, I think they have a losing record, but they are in every game that they play and they look competent. And they haven't even had Christian McCaffrey for most of the season. So. Don't come to me and say that not having all this stuff means you can't at least play competent football. And that's really all I'm asking for. That's what I said going into the Eagles game. It's like, I don't expect you to win, but I expect you to look like a professional football team. And that's, I mean, to their credit, they did on Sunday, but can they keep it up? Because what we saw against Arizona and, uh, and Washington, that, that wasn't it. And if, I mean, if that, if that happens, uh, like, if that happens regularly over the second half of the season, that just 
that says some very bad stuff about where this team is at from a mental standpoint. I, I just I'm, I'm already envisioning what this offseason is from covering this team. It's really since 2011. I just know how it's going to go. You know, Dak's going to come back, whether they franchise tag him or they give him a new long term deal. You're going to have all that positivity that, hey, they're getting their franchise quarterback back. Uh, the draft, there's going to be a lot of positivity off of that because we're going to talk about it for, you know, two, three months. And if there's any positives from 2020, it's that, hey, they got Tyler Biotish, they got C.D. Lamb, they got Trayvon Diggs. It's the only positive they've really shown in 2020 is the draft. And they're going to have an even higher pick this year. Then on top of that, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. So next year's schedule is going to be one of the easiest ones. It's going to be, we have a full off season with this coaching staff. They'll maybe sprinkle sprinkle in a free agent move here or there. There won't be as many free agent additions as we saw this this past year, where obviously it was an epic disaster and it really didn't pan out. And there's just going to be so much positivity to spin going into the next season. And I understand that and I get that. I mean, that that's fine. But my thing is that with all those things said, if that next season looks like this season, that I mean, that's really big time problems. I don't know how much farther in the future you can go with it. Yeah, and McCarthy hasn't dealt with something like this before. Like I think Jerry said it on one of his interviews. One thing we liked about McCarthy is, you know, he could put out fires when things are bad, and we know what he can do when things are good. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. No, when, when, hey, wild, when the you, when the when the you know what hits the fan. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Well, well, you know, here's here's what what happened though. Uh, when you know what hit, sorry, uh, sorry. My, one yeah, of the my years dog. when the uh, when the you know what hit the fan, they Aaron Rodgers had won them enough games that Matt Flynn was able to keep it afloat, and then Aaron Rodgers came back in Week 17 and they won the division. One of the years the S hit the fan, the division wasn't <laughs> that good, and things weren't great with Brett Hundley. They weren't good, but they were still trying to like keep it. Like there wasn't enough. Get, there, you didn't see any give up. I think it's such a tough challenge for him with nine games left to keep everyone or eight games left to keep everyone at least maybe bought in. I mean, hell, we don't even know how far they bought in or when they started buying in when the season began. But it's a difficult challenge. And I keep going back to this without, uh, you know, going back to the old card from uh, from months ago when I was bitching about McCarthy getting hired. I just want everyone to remember this. The, Mike McCarthy wanted the New York Jets job in 2019. The Jets wanted Cliff Kingsbury, didn't get him. They considered Matt Rule, but then they got into a little little bit of a fist fight about Matt Rule bringing his staff, and they settled for Adam Gase, Adam Gase of the 0-8 Jets. McCarthy wanted that job. They gave it to Adam, Ga- uh, Adam Gase. McCarthy wanted that job, uh, wanted to interview for the job in Cleveland with front office members who he knew in the building in Cleveland and couldn't get an interview with them. Like to me, Mike McCarthy is like on uh, the bachelorette, you know, like when uh, she doesn't win, like she doesn't get the rose. He's like that, except the next year they're like, you know, we we didn't really like you and want to keep you around into the deep parts of last season. But now will you be the star of our season? That's what wow. Mike McCarthy kind of is to me. That's a and hell of an analogy. If, I, it's it's wild, and uh, and I will be the first to admit that it might that, be that uh, you watch a lot of the Bachelorette to even make that connection. But go on. It's a great. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. 
With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. I just watched the first watched the first couple seasons. Uh, once I got the formula down, I was kind of bored by it. Uh, I'm more of a Temptation Island guy. Uh, just kidding. I don't, I don't really know what that is. I got to be honest, guys. Is there anything else you are dying to hit? Like, uh, I got a bunch of questions on Twitter from people, but I think we covered like a lot of the things they were asking. Uh, besides the draft questions that were coming, and I'm like, we will do the draft eventually. Uh. The Can we only... get the Thanksgiving first? What? Yeah, one fan question, KT. Come on, okay. one draft fan question. Here we go. All right, let me look it up. I, I don't know, say. Just, all, just go with the quarterback one. All that's waiting for me when this show is over is uh, watching more election coverage. So, I mean, we can go for another hour if y'all want to. I don't care. Dave, I wanted to ask you just, like, how the vibe is in in the building this year. You know, just working for the team uh you know expectations were high just like what's what's the vibe like uh around the facility and stuff i gotta be real honest with you man it it, you it's on i can't even and i I swear to god i'm not copping out i can't answer the question because of how weird it is because of covid so you i mean you know our setup like we have our own office on the main floor of the star uh but the writing staff, we're the, we're us, the writing staff and the PR staff are the only people that are at work on a regular basis. Like anybody that can come in and do their job from home, like it's mostly work from home. So, you know, it's, it's me, Nick Eatman, Rob Phillips, Derek Eagleton. Um, you know, the, the guys on the PR staff are there every day, but other than that, I don't, I don't see people on a regular basis. Like I don't go to the training table. I don't, intermingle with the other departments. I see the beat writers and stuff when we go to press conferences, but even that is not as normal as it usually is. Cause like we're all wearing masks and stuff like that. So, and, and obviously like I haven't, I have not personally interacted with a member of the team or the coaching staff other than a zoom call since February. So I, I almost feel like a fraud. Like I don't have as good of a read on the building as I normally would because it's, it's just so different. Like you kind of come in, do what you need to do and get out. And I'm only there like two or three days a week. So it's very, very weird. And it, it honestly puts me at a disadvantage because you know, you know how it goes. Like you might have a conversation with somebody important just while you're waiting at the coffee machine, you know, and, and that doesn't, that doesn't happen this year, which sucks weird john have you remembered to uh keep your mic muted during the press conferences we heard you uh complaining about a question the other day (laughs) oh no i get so annoyed with these questions that what i do is i unmute i i make my statement or whatever and then i mute my phone after Uh, that you do your mute it on purpose gotcha yes yes absolutely that's i mean that's what really hey last week is a great little package of where we're at with this season when we're just like that was a big story. Uh, Mike McCarthy being asked by a reporter, is it harder to game plan with a guy like Ben DiNucci than having <laughs> Dak Prescott? And then and he's and like, he am I supposed to answer that? joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, are you joking? Like, I can't tell with you having your mask on. You had Mike Nolan wiping his eye with the Tabasco sauce. I oh, mean, man. they're just, I mean, I, and I don't know if there's not going to be more of that going forward. But, yeah, no, the uh, 
God. I just, uh, when that long question was asked, that was def- that was entertaining for many involved. I just love that, you know, everybody, all the fans, any, cause I mean, if you follow the team religiously, you know, you know who the reporters are, you know, the personalities and like the number of fans that thought they knew who said it and were totally yeah. wrong. Just cracked me up. Cracked yeah. me up. Other, other media members too, guessing on Twitter who they thought it was. Yeah. And so that, yeah. yeah. Didn't Good take stuff. me long to figure it out. Oh, yes, well, it's well, a shocked. former coworker of yours. Yeah, some experience say, yeah. in that area. Yeah. God. <laughs> the, I think I have a drop of that exact sound before he, that even happened. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't think it happened like uh, during the season. But the, uh, to me, the number one press conference moment of the year, though, was when they were talking to McCarthy about watching every play in the barn when he was kind of the, the analytics hen, you know, like he was hatching analytics eggs mm-hmm. in the barn. And uh, they talk about it, watching every play of the season, and he goes, oh, I didn't watch every play. I just want the job. <laughs> and then Steven goes, ah. <laughs> Nervous laughter. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how funny he thinks that is now. It's know? easy. <laughs> you know, it's Bad. easy to say. <laughs> we got got. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy to say like I'm but I swear to god I did. I could probably go find audio of it somewhere. Like I remember sitting at that press conference and I laughed when he said it. And then like 2 days later I was like, "Wait a second. That's kind of a weird thing to say out loud at your introductory press conference." <laughs> hey Dave, and you know why you really probably thought this subconsciously? You might not, you might not even agree with this take, but I remember my thought when that happened. And that's that for my previous nine years covering this team, it was the exact same head coach. And it was, hey, that guy wouldn't have never have said that in that situation oh, yeah. because you're so used to the same answers. Like, I mean, it got to a point with Jason Garrett where, like, you could almost tell, like, hey, this is the way he's going to answer this. He's not going to say anything about this. Whatever. And when that, when he said that thing, I was like, I remember even writing after that press conference that there was a little bit, it was a little bit refreshing that there was going to be some, a little bit more joking around and things like that because Jason Garrett never would have done that. And now I'm looking back and I'm just like, well, there's probably a reason why you don't do that. But like, not I to am. say that. Yeah, not to say that other people haven't been in that same situation. It just, they've decided like, yeah, it's probably better if I keep this in-house than put that out there right now. But that is, KT, that is a great point because that is a moment that, let's be honest, it's going to get brought up again down the road because what, name, go ahead and name all the coaches that like their careers end on a high note. Like it's most of the time you're getting either forced out of, I mean, look at Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. It looked like he would have like a lifetime contract there. And I mean, even to his surprise, he got like, oh, in the middle of a season, you know, and they didn't even wait till the end of the season, let the go of a guy that they got a street named after him uh, by the stadium. So uh, that I don't think that that's going to be the last that we, we see of that clip. I just you know when everyone else was laughing about it, I was like, I've tried to warn everyone. <laughs> you, this you, is, were like, you were like, like hello, y'all hello don't. darkness, my old friend. I was like, <laughs> they just don't know. Everyone's oh, it's playful. It's funny. And I'm over here just kind of. Hey. You Watching everyone have a good time. Just like, uh, I'm going to stand up. Trying to warn you. I am going to stand up for Mike McCarthy right now. Like, I don't know where this is going. Uh, Team team employee. Uh, Here we go. Sunshine, sunshine pumper coming through. I I, I don't know where this is going. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if he's going to win big in Dallas. I don't know if he's going to get fired in the next calendar year. I don't know what's going to happen. But like, I personally am still at the stage where, I do still think it's refreshing. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still a football coach. Like he's going to lie to the media. He's going to speak and coach speak and and be hard to read. But like, you know, 
how many funny moments have we had at press conferences this season? Whereas like Jason Garrett's press conferences were the worst. They were so boring. I hated going to them because <laughs> I'm, I knew I had to go. I was like, I'm not going to learn anything, but I have to go. I'm not going to, nothing fun's going to happen, but I have to go. And now when I go to a Mike McCarthy press conference, I'm like, well, you know, something funny could happen. He might like, like he'll, he'll say something honest or funny or whatever. And at least there's that. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm just looking for silver linings, but it is more entertaining. I got to call you out on one thing on that. And they, I agree with you at the podium with Jason Garrett, but I do think that at least I'm speaking for myself. I learned a lot of stuff about the team, about football and things like that from the walk-offs from Jason Garrett, that, yeah. you know, the, the uh, media gathering after the, the media gathering. And I don't know if Mike McCarthy would, would do those. Obviously we wouldn't get these opportunities because of COVID and Jason wouldn't have been doing that with COVID obviously. But, um, that part of it, I miss that the after the press conference because you would learn a decent amount in, in there behind the scenes stuff that you know you're just not getting right now. So there, that's that's one. No, thing. that's that's very fair. And yeah, I don't. But I mean, like as long as we're going down this wormhole, I mean, McCarthy took McCarthy took us to lunch at the combine, and he organized like a happy hour when he first got hired. So it's at least plausible that he would do that. If it weren't for COVID, Oldest. I don't, I don't know that for sure, but you know, maybe, maybe when life is normal again, maybe that's something we can hope for. I don't know. Oldest trick in the book though. You get to town. It's back in the day. You get to town and you meet Randy Galloway and you go out. That's a trick from the nineties. You go oh. meet him and you get to know everyone early, get him on your side. Oldest Which, trick in the book. I am. And I, I am a total shill dude. Like if you're, if you're nice yeah. to me, if you're good to me and you're friendly and maybe you give me some stuff, like I'll, I'll be totally, I'll be good to you back. Like I think like part of the reason I don't dog Zeke too much is cause I like, he's a, he's a fairly good dude. Like he's very professional. He's, he's good to us, even though like everything sucks for him, but he gets up there after every game and every Wednesday and faces the music. And I appreciate that. So basically what I'm saying is I can be bought for anybody that might be listening. Hey, that's interesting you bring that up, Dave, because uh, as I think people probably know, maybe not, but I know you guys know this, but at, at the end of the year, the media always votes on like a good guy award, and that usually goes to somebody on the team that is really accessible all the time, and, and there uh, it's been really easy voting for a while because they've, they've had some guys like Dak and Jason Witten and like guys like Jeremy Mincy that, you know, Marcus Spears that would always talk, give you good stuff, you know, it kind of go, for a guy that goes above and beyond. And I was talking with some other reporters about this within the last couple of weeks. And we were saying like, Zeke's probably going to get it this year because of the fact that like he has literally done we've he's talked every single week that after every single game, like he's totally been accountable for everything and the year really hasn't went well. And so, um, it's funny because there's times where when earlier in previous seasons where I was like, you know, I, I don't think he wants to talk to us after we're done, you uh, know, whatever, but he's definitely gone above and beyond uh, from that respect. This year. Today, even like he, and this is a small thing. I'm not trying to say he's a saint, but like he got on the call today and there's always like a weird delay where people are on mute and they're trying to get unmuted to talk to him. And he's just like, hello, anybody there? Like yeah. what's going on? Like, he's just like, I'm like, he actually sounds like kind of happy to be talking with us, which like, there's no way that's true. There's no way he, 
there's no way he wants to be talking to us. So like for him to still have a good demeanor about it with everything that's gone wrong, you know, it's, it's at least mildly impressive. Okay. A little bit of time left. Let's uh, kind of go lightning right here. I have one question I would like to get, and then we have to do our predictions because we have standings here. Uh, but let's be quick on this question. It's from Mike Crum. The Twitter account is at CD Piglet. Now I would like one of you to answer this question as a fan. And I want one of you to answer this question as the GM, but not Jerry, like the Stephen Will McClay type. And I want Kent, I want you to answer this as Jerry. Okay? Everyone good can, with their roles? Can I, can I be the GM? Uh, okay, okay. John, you are the coach GM. You're McCarthy, Stephen, Will McClay. And I'll be the uh, fan? Okay. You're, Dave, you're the fan? Okay. Kent, you're, Jer- you're Jerry. Got it. We'll start. Dave, you're, Dave, Dave, you're Mrs. Price. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Baby! <laughs> Would right, you rather... This. DeMarco Murray! <laughs> <laughs> We're looking ahead a little bit here. Uh, would you rather play Andy Dalton to help evaluate and develop your offensive skill position players with better QB play, but possibly win more, or protect a possible top three pick by playing Rush, Garrett, and Danucci? Uh, who goes All right. first? All right. The fan, Dave Hellman. I will, I will be the fan. I just want to, like, the caveat is me, Dave, the writer, I disagree with what I'm about to say. But if I'm answering as a fan, I would say, play the young guys. We don't want to win another game. We want that top three pick. Um, but, uh, even, I mean, no, man. Even as a fan, because here's the thing. Andy Dalton ain't going to be the difference between, you know, three and 13 and six and 10. Like Andy Dalton can't fix this thing himself. So I really don't think it matters that much. So me as a fan, knowing that we're still going to get a good pick regardless, I'd at least rather see a quarterback who can get the ball to my receivers so that it's entertaining to watch games. Like at at the very least, I want to be entertained. And Andy Dalton gives me the best bet to be entertained. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm playing all the younger players. Uh, I don't want Andy Dalton out there because I don't want to win any more games. I want the highest possible draft pick I can get. Um, and then I want the younger players to get a chance to develop. And I know that you probably have a little bit better chance of developing if, in, in winning situations and everything is is better in that sense. And, and let me also throw into this situation because I'm taking this as I am the GM of this current Dallas Cowboys organization. And I don't, the Cowboys aren't a Detroit Lions. Uh, I will just leave it at the Lions because I know that I probably know them the best. Where you would want some wins because you want to try and build anything. I don't believe my organization is that, in that position right now. I believe that I'm in a situation where we're going to cast this thing aside like this season was an outlier. So I'm not worried about building that winning chemistry right now. My coach can do that behind the scenes. As me as the GM, I'm trying to I want to lose as many games as possible and get as much work for my younger players so that I can use that in future seasons. My 2020 is done. I'm moving on. I'm looking to 2021 already. Well, John, if you took a look around this division, you know <laughs> that this thing is wide open. And so as soon as Andy Dalton is ready to go, we're going to put him back in there and see what we can do this year for 2020 because that's why we come to work every day is to win uh, that day. Uh, we're going to you know, take this thing 
day by day and see where we can go. Uh, but so that's what I think Jerry thinks, uh, you know, that as soon as Andy's ready, they're going to try to win football games. Um, I personally, you know, think you need to find out what you have in Ben DiNucci. <laughs> if you really invested a draft pick in Ben DiNucci and you think this guy somewhere down the line could be your backup quarterback, get him out there. <laughs> get him out there and give him give him reps. Um, I mean, if if you're going to lose anyway, you might as well lose with with uh, while simultaneously evaluating these guys. Um, I don't see what what point it makes having quote unquote consistency at quarterback on a one year rental deal on a Garrett Gilbert or a or a Cooper Rush. Um, you know, I think they need to look to their future and look at the the investments they've made with these uh, draft picks and see when Dak Prescott comes back, who's it going to be behind him? Uh, as the general manager, I will say this. Uh, while I just spoke all that about playing the younger players, I have to gr- disagree with you on quarterback. I do think you can re- uh, ruin a young quarterback early in its, his career if he is just getting manhandled and he has no time to throw at all. Um, True. One of the instances I'm thinking about with this current team is, and I have no way of completely proving this, but just from my watching games, I felt like after that game in Atlanta, Dak's second year, yep. uh, after the Chaz Green game, I, I think Dak was a little gun shy a little bit following that. Everything went real. Everything was just on a very good arc in 2016 with him, and things were going well. And I, I always think back to that 2017 game. I think you can throw a guy, and, and not that Dak's like this, because, I mean, I've always felt like he, they, he was going to be in a good situation, but just following that game, I, I that hurts your confidence a little bit, and you don't know if everyone's going to be on the same level that Dak Prescott is. So I don't know if you want to ruin the guy right away, which you certainly could do behind this offensive line. So I believe it's a case-by-case basis with, with quarterbacks, but in this particular case, I, I don't think I want my, my young quarterback getting killed, and I think that's part of what went into the reason why they are going to go with Cooper Rush and Garrett Gilbert this week. He, Dak wasn't the same quarterback in 2017 for the rest of that year. He, I just don't think he was. He might deny that, but... I watched it. I know what I saw, uh, which, yeah, I think that's exact. That's what I said at the top of the show is they're like, we're, we're going to break this kid. If we ask him to play against the Steelers, you can put him back in there against Minnesota or uh, San Francisco or Washington, any of any of those, that's fine. Not against this team. And I think they're just like, what can we do <laughs> to avoid making Danucci deal with this while still getting through this week? I think that's what's happening. All right, prediction time. Uh, here are records. The guests are five and two, Dave. So they're pretty good. Oh, sweet. Uh, I'm uh, I'm six and two. John is six and two, and Kent is seven and one. I will say that the predictions have gotten a lot easier since Dak got hurt. Um, <laughs> Dave, we'll start with you. Who's your pick and a score? Damn, yeah. I'm trying to think of my own record. I think I'm. Um, they play so I'm probably. I'm. I think I'm five and three on this season. Um, I thought they would beat Washington with Dalton because I'm stupid. Um, okay. Anyway, um, I mean, Pittsburgh's going to win. Uh, I, I think it'll probably be, ah, I was going to say like I, against Philly, I was like, all right, they're going to put their best foot forward and fight as long as they can, but Philly's just going to pull away. But like, with Cooper Rush, with all with a new quarterback and all that, like how long against a much better team? I'm thinking. I'm thinking the final score will be like thirty-four to ten, and I think we'll know. I think the Cowboys' touchdown will be 
when everything's decided, you know, like way later in the game. Kick return. Um, I have Pittsburgh winning 28 to six. We go to John because Ken is in first place. He'll go last. Okay. I will go with the Pittsburgh football Steelers at 31 and the Cowboys nine. Oh, really? Nice. You didn't give them that much. Yes. Three, and three field goals or a touchdown and a safety? Sorry, just curious. Uh, Dave, I don't know if this team's going to score a touchdown for the rest of the season. <laughs> I mean, let's not be silly. Of course it's three field goals. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, three field goals. I will um, make my pick here. Not to not to pat myself on the back or anything, but uh, you know, I picked 20-6 to six last week, and the score ended up being 23-9, to nine, so for the those math wizards at home, that would be, um, I think, nailing, nailing the spread. Uh, but that's uh, that's in a that's last week. All right, I'm gonna go prices right style, slightly above Dave. I'm gonna go 35 to 10, Pittsburgh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, we get a garbage time touchdown from 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 somebody when Pittsburgh gives up and we've got backup quarterback in the game or whatever it is. You threw me off. I thought you were going to go with the one dollar thing. When you said price is right. <laughs> I, I was like, how are they going to score did. one point? I did one, one, no, one point above what Dave. What, I've what got, Dave, I've got, I got Pittsburgh you. winning two to nothing. <laughs> the, the, the new predictions really are: uh, Will they score a touchdown? Yes or no? They will. Is this? It's come to this. It has. Garrett no, this Gilbert. is what it's. No, no, no. This is what it's come to. I want to say this is the second time in our last four or five shows that we've had a Price is Right reference, because I'm pretty sure KT did the yodeling guy not too long ago. So that's what this show has come to. Garrett Gilbert to Dalton Schultz with less than 10 minutes remaining in the game. Oh, Mark this, real write quick. This down. Write this down. Real quick, that is a really good positive right there uh, on the season. That I do think that yeah. Dave and I have talked about this. Dalton Schultz, that is that is a, good, that is a positive right there. I think that you're... you you. I think you feel better about tight end going into the next season than you felt coming into this season because I think Dalton Schultz has really stepped up. And uh, with him and then Jarwin coming back next year, I think you're in a, in a lot better spot at tight end than I thought going in. I never I – oh, sorry, go ahead. I said I think, I think Witten has nine catches for the Raiders. I felt really – I was really bullish on Blake Jarwin going into the season. I thought he was going to have a great year. I never in my dreams would have thought – that I'd be sitting here saying like, oh yeah, like they don't need to draft a tight end. Like I, yeah. I don't, I don't think they need to. I really like the combo of Schultz and Jarwin uh, coming back next year. So the, if you're looking for silver linings, that's definitely one. Couldn't maybe agree the more. Only, maybe the only one, but hey. Hey Dave, thank you so much for joining us. It's been Thanks, a blast, uh, blast having you again. Uh, uh, obviously, Thrilled to be here, my guys. I'm very happy to see y'all and talk to y'all. And yeah, let's do this again soon. Obviously, make sure you uh, check out Dave's uh, work over at DallasCowboys.com as well as uh, the TV show. He's a TV star. Sometimes, if you're flipping over on Fox Sports Southwest, you can uh, you'll see him and Kelsey with uh, is, uh, the title. Is the title of the show? The Star at Night. What is yeah, the title which, of the show? This, the show is called The Star at Night. You know, it's a play off of that's that's what the facility is called, The Star, you know. And then mm-hmm. there's a song, The Stars at Night. You know, you get it. Um, it's no, go ahead, sing it. Sing it. Sing it. Nobody knows what you're familiar with. The Stars at yeah. Night are big and bright. Yeah, you got it. Um, yeah, it's basically just me and Kelsey Charles BSing about 
football and uh, pop culture and whatever else. We try to make it fun. It's You wouldn't believe how hard it is to make a fun show about the Cowboys during a season like this, or maybe you would. Uh, but we, you can find us on DallasCowboys.com. We're on Fox Sports Southwest on Wednesdays. Please tune in. All right, and also make sure that you are tuned in to theathletic.com. Get the app, too. If you don't have the app, download the Athletic app and uh, use the promo code. Just go to theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys if you're a first-time subscriber to get yourself a little bit of a discount and check out of John's great work. Kent producing a bunch of NFL podcasts, including the new one with Robert Mays as well. So lots of good stuff on The Athletic, as always. Make sure that uh, you're staying tuned to all that stuff. And again, download the app. The app's incredible. Uh, for our guest, Dave Hellman. For our producer, Kent Garrison. For Father John Mashoda. I'm Kevin KT Turner. We'll talk to you Sunday night after that bloodbath on About Them Cowboys. <laughs>